Excuse me, chapter 6, verse 1. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 1. While you're turning there, I, I just need to go ahead and say a couple of things. Uh, first of all, um, wow, it just seems like it was like yesterday that we were here having our child dedication service. And uh, yet a lot of things have gone on since then. We Sunday night started VBS, Vacation Bible School. It was awesome. Absolutely incredible. Did you enjoy VBS if you were here? A lot of our children are downstairs and stuff. I don't tell you something. Probably a lot of people are at home crashed out, man, because it was tiring. I'm not kidding you. VBS was incredible. We had over 75 just children, just children, over 75 every single night. It grew in numbers every night. Not one night was less than a night before. That's always a real good sign, <laughs> increasing attendance. But here was the thing that just blew me away that was awesome. Every single night, and I think this is just characteristic of the people of Calvary Baptist Church, and this is what you ought to get involved in, is that every single night we had more adults, more workers here than we did children. Now, typically, you'll have a lot of kids, but you can't find the adults anywhere to help work with them. But we had more doggone adults here and workers here, and there were still slots. You could have come, and you still place for you. But I encourage you to get involved. I really, really do. Tony Harper is our youth pastor if you want to help work with youth if you want to be a greeter speak to one of the greeters if you feel led to do anything come speak with me we'll help get you plugged in but i'll tell you it was absolutely amazing we had over 200 people here on our final night it was unreal we drank uh sundrop slushies and cheerwine slushies all week and uh i apologize for the night that i turned it off myself and let six gallons drain onto the floor and then our seniors came in for their meal the next day and it looked like flypaper <laughs> human flypaper now you're laughing but i don't think they were <laughs> but they're all right because you know why because they love the lord they know why we're here and they joked with me threatened to kill me if i did it again but they joked with me and we had a great time but VBS was really, really, really awesome to get to pour into that many kids. And uh, then this coming Sunday, I really want to encourage you. Now, you're turning to Ephesians chapter 6, verse 1, to get some of these invite cards. we got plenty of them. I put some over here on the piano. I put some um, out uh, right over here, just right here. If any of you want some of them, please get them. Let's don't let them go to waste. But just give these out and invite people. I'm telling you, Reggie Sadler is an amazing, amazing guy. He loves Jesus. His life has been radically changed by the gospel. And uh, for years, he had played with Elvis' backup band. He had played, uh, I can't even name all the beach music groups he played with and everything. And he can do it all, but it is so cool. And he loves the Lord. And next Sunday morning, you are going to really, really be blessed. I'm telling you, now, if you come and you don't invite other people, you're going to kick yourself that you didn't invite them. He's first class. He's top-notch. And it doesn't matter what age you are because he's so authentic and loves Jesus. And then secondly, if you don't come and you hear all the other church members talking about what a great time they had, you're really going to kick yourself. But now he is, he is awesome. And so he and his family will be here, and uh, it's going to be a tremendous blessing. By the way, incidentally, I just want to say this. Thank you to Mike Hutchins and to our worship team today. Uh, for leading us joy and her family and a lot of other folks are on vacation and I when somebody said that earlier I thought I'd just like to stand up here and take a picture 
Because if this is our church family depleted, guess what? We're still really full. Isn't it crazy full from up here? Man, I mean, it is crazy, crazy full. And God's been blessing. Speaking of that, just so you know, our church, God has blessed us. We own about 17 acres uh, right up near the corner of Mount Holly, Huntersville, and Highway 16. And it is paid off. It is a prime location for any church. Any church would love to have that location if they have any sense about them. But the Lord has chosen to give that to us as a church to impact this community, to change lives and see lives change. On that corner, we're going to build a great lighthouse for the lost of our community, a place where they can come, hear the gospel of Jesus Christ, be saved, grow into maturity, and be sent back out to love God, to love other people, and spread the word. And so thousands of lives are going to be changed there by the gospel. Property doesn't change lives. Buildings don't, don't change lives. But what takes place in them absolutely, unequivocally changes lives. And so we're excited about it. And here's why we're excited. Because for a long time you've been talking about it and dreaming about it. And, and uh, behind the scenes, our long-range planning team has been working. I've been working with them. And they've been working diligently, interviewing architects and doing feasibility study and then dealing with some... In, uh, you know, consulting uh, with a consultant and different things. We wanted to find the right architect to guide us through the process. We just don't want to make mistakes. And so we feel like we found that one when we voted on which architect after interviewing some that we should go with. It was unanimous, hands down. They have a great reputation. We're going to be bringing that back to the church soon. We're not going to proceed until we talk to the church, and, but we are going to be moving forward. And so uh, we can get busy designing our future building. So we're going to get them approved, Lord willing, before you. And then we're going to start talking and meeting with you and having listening sessions. What do you want it to look like? What do we want it to do? What is it called? What are we called to do? And how can the building help facilitate that for us? Now, it, it's going to be an exciting journey, and we're going to do it. And what we're going to do is with the new facility, we'll be able to increase our witness in our community increase our ministry to the body, love others and serve others better, and spread the word. So are you excited about the future? Amen. Amen. I'm not going to ask you, do you believe we can do it? But I'm going to ask you this, do you believe he can do it? Amen. Amen. Our country, our area needs the hope of the gospel. Let me tell you that the message that I'm going to share with you today Every single one of you, from young to old, every single one of you can get something out of this message. Every one of us deal with relationships constantly, and relationships form or are the cause for much of the joy or the sadness or the frustration or the happiness, the content of our lives. It, most of that, whether we're happy or sad, has to deal with relationships somehow some way. So I want you to turn, if you would, to Ephesians chapter 6, verse 1. We're going to read about four verses, and then we're going to take those apart and get some real good help for the family. That's the title, help. I live in a family, and they are not perfect. <laughs> Children, obey your parents in the Lord. Now, now, it's not just blind obedience, but obey your parents, how? In the Lord. You don't obey your parents if they're telling you to do evil things. You don't obey your parents if they're telling you if, if they're abusive and wicked. But obey your parents in the Lord, 
for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise. And here's the promise that it may be well with you, that you may live long on the earth. And you, fathers, boy, this, mm, man, I need to read this all the time. Do not provoke your children to wrath or to anger. But dads, look at me right here. This is your job. This is my job. He gives the negative. Don't provoke them to anger. Don't just get them all shook up, all tore up, mad at you all the time. But this is the dad's job, to bring up the children in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. Kim and I are relatively, most of you know it, relatively new grandparents. And I always heard all the jokes about grandkids and stuff, but no kidding, they are so much fun. At least at this stage. And I hear that too sometimes. But at this stage, man, we got a two-year-old granddaughter and a one-year-old grandson, and they are incredible. I mean, they're absolutely so much fun. Because you can fill them up with candy, you can give them good gifts, you can come and they're just happy to see you. Hey, pap! And you run to them or whatever they call you and you run to them and they are just amazingly happy and they love you and they want to play. And then when you get exhausted about an hour and a half later, <laughs> I know why God gives us kids when we're young. Now there's no joke to that, am I right? Amen. Because man, I'm telling you, they can tire you out and then you get to love on them and the love is just astounding that you feel for your grandchildren and and then you get to play with them and treat them like kings and queens and then you get to leave <laughs> and you get to go home every time we go over to our grandchildren's house our home our son's house they are just like so ready for us to get the kids they just sit back and veg, you know, and we're just like, come on, come on. And then we say, we got to go. Oh, don't leave yet. <laughs> Grandchildren are great. Right before our son was ready, his wife was ready to have our first grandchild, my son Jonathan sent me this sincere message. Now, we talk all the time. He's a pastor. I'm a pastor. So we're always talking about, oh, I'm reading this book on this and I'm reading that book. So it's nothing unusual to get a message back and forth from your son if he's a pastor or whatever saying you know whatever I mean if you're a mechanic you get a note from your son I can't get this 351 Cleveland to do you know right and dad it's missing on number seven cylinder and what would you do and so you'd write him back right or whatever and try to help him get it running shows how old I am talking about a 351 Cleveland but anyone anyway we have those kind of conversations but I got this note and it really meant a lot to me it really meant a lot to me because I know he was studying a lot about how to be a dad and how to raise his kids right, man. And here's what he wrote. The author of a book that I'm reading offers eight types of communication to children. Now, did you hear that? Eight types of communication to children that are necessary. Think about this in the way if we want to raise godly kids, dads. Encouragement. Do kids need that? <laughs> Encouragement. One type of communication. Now listen. Correction. Rebuke. Mm -hmm. Entreaty or pleading. Instruction. 
warnings. They need warnings, don't they? So many times a day with these little ones, two and one years old, don't touch that. That's hot. Touch, touch. Hot, hot. Don't touch. Teaching and prayer. And then his message said this. In reading through those, I can remember instances of all of these growing up. Thank you, Dad, for giving me a godly model. I can't lie. Becoming a parent is the most intimidating thing I have ever faced. And I'm sure he had no idea what it was going to be like at that point. But, he said, I have confidence in the grace of our Lord, your son, Jonathan. Now, buddy, I want to tell you something. To me, as a dad, a note like that is like manna from heaven. There is no doubt about it. Parenting isn't for cowards. Amen? I mean, it isn't. Listen, the rewards of parenting are astounding. They're, they're literally amazing. And, and if you can just hang in there long enough to see them and get them, it's really fulfilling. But I want to tell you, on the other hand, the challenges are nonstop. Amen? Non-stop. I kept waiting. I thought when my kids got 18, they were going to just be fully mature adults and go up and grow and go off and make a lot of money and get rich and send it all to mom and dad. <laughs> Let me retire early or something, you know. But it, the challenges just don't stop. And I've learned this recently. I mean, recently I've had to stop and slow down and work on me. Because I used to read stuff on parenting and marriage and relationships all the time. And recently, I made some huge mistakes, being harsh to my kids and stuff and my wife. And I, I started, I said, God just impressed me. You go back and you study. And as I started studying, I thought, good night. I've been giving this stuff out to every couple that I marry, you know, that I perform the ceremony for as premarital counseling. But I haven't watched it in years, and I've forgotten to practice about half of it. I mean, I mean, I mean, you've got to study and, and you and listen, I promise you this as you think about marriage or you try as a grandparent to talk to your grandkids about marriage or the neighbors next door. You need to understand this. Whatever stresses a relationship has. Having children elevates it. Incidentally, if you're dating and then you get married, that elevates the stresses. If you say, boy, there's some things about her, <laughs> there's some things about him that I can't stand, you better get them settled because when you get married, it elevates them. If that thing bugged you to a seven before marriage, it's going to bug you to about an eight or a nine or a 12 <laughs> when you get married. And then you have kids, and it complicates it. Now, I'm not trying to talk you out of it. What I am doing is trying to talk you into listening to me today, regardless of your station in life. Because you're either going to be in the middle of this situation or you're going to need to counsel and help somebody who's in the middle of this situation. Because life typically consists at any stage almost above two years old of relationships. I'm always dumbfounded when couples come to me <laughs> for counsel. Well, first, I'm dumbfounded that they would come to me for counsel. But secondly, I'm, I'm dumbfounded when they come for me to counsel. Here's what they'll say a lot of times. I've had this happen a number of times through the years. Pastor... We're just really struggling. We're embarrassed, but our, our relationship, our marriage is just struggling. We can't get along. 
And one of the things that we're just thinking, we need your advice. We're thinking about having kids in order to strengthen our marriage. <laughs> yeah, you see the response, right? <clears throat> as a counselor, as a husband and a dad of over 25 years, that would probably not be my starting point if I wanted to strengthen your marriage. Now, fortunately, God hasn't left us without help. I'm s I love him so much because every time I mess up, and I mess up a lot, man, his word instructs me and his spirit guides me, and he'll lead you back to truth. But God has not left us without help. His word, the Bible, is as up to date as this morning's news, even more so because it springs from his eternal wisdom. He's the one that made us. In our text this morning from Ephesians chapter 6, in verse 2, you learn the first bit of help that God gives us concerning how to live together as a family. And it's this, it's in verse 2, I am to honor my parents. Write that down, I am to honor my parents. In verse 2, you see it, honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise. Now, the Apostle Paul was writing to this church at Ephesus, and he's trying to teach this new group of believers how to get along and how to treat one another. They're brand new, and they're struggling. They're having relationships. And he is reaching. What he does is they didn't have the New Testament assembled yet. didn't have a whole lot to guide them except the words of the apostles. So he writes to them, and what he's doing is he's digging back, reaching back in the Old Testament. And he's saying, God tells us how to live in relationship. And what he's doing is he's quoting one of the Ten Commandments that God gave to Moses on Mount Sinai and that Moses then gave to the people of Israel. Now think with me for a moment. God gave Ten Commandments, only Ten. You sum up the whole law in Ten Commandments, only Ten. So you know if God's going to give us Ten Commandments, only Ten, they are exceedingly important. And of those Ten, God's going to give us Ten Commandments, God takes one of them, one of ten, a lot, and he says, listen, honor your father and your mother. That's how important it is to God. I mean, if you take those ten commandments, now let me tell you also how much more important it is. If you take the ten commandments, what you find about them in those ten, you find that the first four are what we call vertical commandments. That is, they deal with man's relationship to God. You have no gods before me. Don't make any idols. Don't take the Lord's name in vain. Remember the Sabbath day. Keep it holy. Now, so the first four deal with our vertical relationship. Why? Because that's most important. If man's not right with God, he's not going to be right with anybody else. Now, secondly, check this out. This is crazy. The last six are what we call horizontal ones. They talk about how you and I are supposed to relate and deal with one another. And, and so it, it's, um, <clears throat> I mean, it's like don't steal, don't bear false witness, don't murder, those types of things. Now, the amazing thing is that out of only 10 commandments, God takes one of them to say, honor your mom and dad. Right there with don't steal, don't kill. You know, I mean, it's amazing. And this command to honor your father and your mother after he gets through with the first four that deal vertically the very first one, number one of the final six, God says, right after he finishes with our relationship to him, you honor your father and your mother. Why does God put it first? Because it's primary. Why is it primary? Why is it so critical, really? 
that a child honors their father and mother? Let me tell you why. God knows this, and that's why he shared it. Now listen, the child that does not learn to honor their father and their mother will have a basic character flaw that will prevent them from carrying out the rest of the commandments. Now you follow it. So, so honor your father and your mother. That comes before do not murder. Honor your father and your mother. That comes before do not steal, do not lie, do not bear false witness. Why? Because it is primary. It is so essential. This is a major problem in our culture is that we have lost any respect for authority to obey the law, to, to obey the rules. And kids now, and adults now, by the way, I, you know, I don't ever want to turn into all one of these old preachers and say, he's kids now. No, I didn't obey it when I was a kid. Because I was never taught to really respect my mom and dad. To really respect. And, and in some ways, they weren't that respectful. But listen, honor your father and your mother comes before do not kill, do not steal. Because it is first and it is primary. And the respect for authority. Like if a kid doesn't learn to respect mother and father, they generally won't learn to respect any other authority. I mean, if you don't, our parents, they're the first human beings we ever meet. Our parents are the first people we know. Our parents, our mom and dad, suffer to bring us into this world a lot. They pay for us for 18 plus years. Think about that sometime. Oh, I'm going to take you along, Tony, for 18 years. I'm going to pay every bill you have. I'm going to buy all your clothes. I'm going to buy you everything for you. Lights, wash powder. I'm going to wash your clothes. You, I mean, think about that. Not, that's awesome, ain't it? I'm, I just lied like a dog. I ain't doing that for you. <laughs> but that's basically, it was just for illustrative purposes. To help us understand what a parent does, what a mom does. And God bless you. I want to say this. Some of you single parents, God bless you. I don't know how you make it. You are champions in my book. You are champions in my book. Honest to goodness, how does anybody work and earn a living and care for kids and do all that and still maintain any sanity? I mean, I, I really don't, I really don't, I just admire you so much. But our parents love us, they clothe us, they, they, they help us with our, our wounds, they feed us. If you can't learn to love or respect, at least ex respect someone like that, how are you ever going to learn to get along in society? This is absolutely foundational. And that is why right here in the New Testament, when it's being written, the Apostle Paul lays it out very clearly and gives instructions to early believers. One of the things he does is repeats this command, and it is a command. It's not a suggestion. So let me give you three quick ways. Just jot them down that you can honor your father and mother. We should do this, by the way, with our parents if they're still alive, and we should teach our children to do the same with us. Number one, I am to obey them when I'm young. You got that? I am to obey them when I'm young. Obey them. Obey them. Now I want to give you some scriptures. I want you just to jot down the reference. Write down Colossians 3.20. We would abbreviate that in Bible college. C-O-L 3 period 2-0. 
Colossians 3.20. You know what it says? Children, obey your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing to the Lord's. To the Lord. Now, that means to not do it would be displeasing God. Now, why should you obey your parents? First of all, it's the root of all blessings. You, 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 you obey the Lord, you obey your parents, and it is pleasing to God. You know, several times, several times in this area of obedience, we've traveled out west several times. And in the, out west, we have in America what we call the Continental Divide. You know what that is? It's a place where, in the Rocky Mountains, where if a, a drop of rain falls... You think of the peak like this, okay? If a drop of rain falls on one side, it'll flow to the Pacific Ocean eventually. And if it falls just an inch on the other side, it'll run out to the Atlantic eventually. It'll make its way to the Atlantic. It is the dividing line. It falls here. Something small, where it falls, determines its destiny. It is the dividing point, the continental divide. Now, I want to ask you, what is the continental divide with children? Why is it that kids sometimes, not always, but sometimes, two kids grow up in the same almost environment, the same almost place, but one goes one way into obedience and another one goes into all kinds of trouble? I believe that this has a lot to do with it. Obedience to parents at a young age that makes the difference. Dwight L. Moody said this, I've lived over 60 years and I've learned one thing if I've learned nothing else. No man or woman who dishonors their father or mother ever prospers. God, did you know this? God ranks disobedience to your parents with the very worst sins imaginable. Just listen to this. Write this down. Romans 1.28 and following. Now just listen to it. God's speaking about, in Romans 1, mankind at our worst. And he says this, And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a debased mind to do those things which are not fitting. Now listen to the way God's described how evil people can act. Being filled with all unrighteousness, sexual immorality, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, evil-mindedness. They are whisperers, backbiters, haters of God, violent, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents. That blows me away. Right in the middle of haters of God, violent, bro, bo, inventors of evil things, malicious, covetous. I, I mean, right in the middle of murder, disobedient to parents. You know, sometimes we don't think much about disobeying mom or dad. Sometimes we don't think much when our kids disobey us and we allow it. But I want to tell you, you take that list of sins and you see how bad it is and you see where God ranks the sin of disobedience to parents. It is in the very worst of the very worst of sins. You know what God teaches? A generation that is disobedient to its parents is a generation that's on its last legs. It's actually a sign of the last of the end times. Write down 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 5. 
And this is God describing the last days. Now just listen to it. But know this, that in the last days, perilous times shall come, for men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure, more than lovers of God. You just read that and you go, oh my gosh. But I read it and I also go, how does disobedient to parents fit right in all those I mean, if I was just coming up with that list, I'd never come up with that one. But I want to tell you something. God comes up with it. And what God says, if you're disobedient to your parents, it says having a form of godliness but denying its power. From such people, you're to stay away. If you are disobedient to your parents, your religion, God says, is worth nothing more than a form. It's a copy. It's a fake. And I don't care what you do here at church. And I don't care what, what if you are claiming to be a Christian and you're disobedient to your parents, you're a hypocrite. So number one, regardless of your age, so number one, honor my father and mother. I'm obey the, I am to obey them when I'm young. Number, number two, second way that you can honor your father and mother is to care for them when they're old. Now I've been learning this. I learned this a while back with my mom and with my wife's dad. You got it down? You're to obey them when you're young. You're to care for them when they're old. And I know it's hard. We've been through it. But we have a serious problem in our world today, and it's this. That is that we have forsaken and cast away our older people. So we've become hard-hearted to elderly people. And I deal with it just like you. I visited some time back in a nursing home visiting my mom. I walked in and there was a lady, I think her name was Doris. She was sitting in a wheelchair, and she looked at me, and you could tell she'd just been sitting in the same spot, same place all day, mumbling to herself. She looked up at me, and obvious in dementia, she looked at me and thought I was her son, and she said, Oh, son. She started crying. So glad to see you. I haven't seen you in so long. Where have you been? And I thought, I started saying, No, 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 I'm not your son. And I thought, how's it going to help? Now, I didn't say, oh, Mom, I'm glad to see you. That would have been deceitful. But I just said, oh, I'm, and I was. I said, I'm glad to see you today. I'm glad to see you today. You know what she did? After a little while conversation, she kept looking at me. And This old woman who had mistaken me for her son, who didn't even remember the face of her own child, who had lost everything in the world, who probably couldn't remember her own name, looked at me right in the eyes and drew me close and said, I love you so much. She had not forgotten the love for her own child. Now, you know, Paul is talking to believers and he's giving them instructions and Timothy had some widows that couldn't be cared for really and they were struggling. They were a new church. How do, do we help them? Do, do they help? What do we do? And Paul writes to them in 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 4 and says, but if, 
If a widow has children or nephews, let the children first learn to show piety at home. You know what he's saying? Don't come to church and act religious. Go to your mom, your dad, your grandmother who's sitting alone and show your religion. Then come back. He's not saying don't come to church. He's not saying let the pastor heap a bunch of... Listen, I faced this. I faced this. There were I didn't do near what I probably should have done. So I'm with you, but I'm trying to help you. Let children first learn to show piety or holiness or godliness at home. And then listen how Paul sums it up in verse five, uh, verse eight. And if any provides not for his own, especially for those of his own house, he has denied the faith. He's worse than an infidel. Plain English, you have no right to call yourself a follower of Jesus if you won't take care of your elderly parents. Now that's what God's word says. Don't get mad about it. Don't get upset about it. Just correct it. Don't think you've got to take care of everything and you've got four brothers and sisters that won't take care of anything and you've got to do it all. No, no, no. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying just pick it up a level. Just, just pray about it and just get just care better. Just do something. I'm just encouraging you. Thirdly, I care for them when they're old. I obey them when they're young. I'm to honor them at all times. I'm going to give you some ways that you can do that. Let me qualify this. Look right here at me. If they're not abusive to you. Some of you have had fathers and mothers who have sexually abused you or abused you any number of ways. And that makes some of what I'm going to say probably improbable, if not impossible, for you to do. But we still need to work on our hard attitudes. But here's some ways, whether they're old or whether they're in the prime, that every child can honor his or her parents. Number one, because you don't have to agree with them to do these things, right? You don't have to say the abuse was all right or whatever. But number one, show them respect. Show your parents respect. You should never, ever shoot off at the lip with your parents. Yeah, I know what some of you are thinking. Well, my parents aren't worthy of respect. Yeah, well, listen to me. Only perfect children can demand perfect parents. But one thing I do not tolerate is for one of our children to speak disrespectfully to their mother. It grates on me like almost nothing else after what I've watched her go through for the kids and still go through. Number two. Here's a great way. So show them respect. Just respect them for what they've done, what they've given. Show respect. Number two, express gratitude. <laughs> Isn't that a novel idea? I mean, you have to come to church to learn that, right? Just express some gratitude. I mean, just as I walked through that and talked about what I was not promising to do for Tony, <laughs> sometimes just sit down and think of the cost. Think of the time. Think of the effort. I know some of you get mad and say, well, Dad, you're never home. Mama never paid any attention. But just think of what they're doing to keep the place going. Think of what they're doing. Think of it. Count the cost and 
And just think of the effort that it took to raise you. Think of, of this. And if you, you can't, if your mom or parents abandon you, maybe there's a step parent, somebody that you can you can just express gratitude. And just come up to them one day and just say, you know what, I've thought about this. And, and list it out kind of as you've talked about it. Don't make it too detailed, but good night. I thought about what it would cost to clothe me for 18 years and feed me. I'm really, really, really thankful for that. Now, when they get up off the floor, <laughs> get them a cold drink. <laughs> third, third way to honor them, listen to their counsel. Amen, mom and dad? Listen to their counsel. Your mom and dad know far more than you think they know. When you're 16, you think your old man doesn't know anything. 19, you're sure he doesn't know anything. 22, you're light years ahead of that old guy. You get to be about 35 or 40, you'll think that guy was almost a genius. Mark Twain, Mark Twain once said that when he was 14, he was convinced his parents were among the stupidest people on the face of this earth. He said, when I reached 21, it was amazing how much they had learned over those years. It's so true, isn't it? And you know what's weird about this whole deal, man? Listen to me now. Just stay with me. I know I'm running, but listen to me. Stay with me. It's like every generation has to learn this, right? Isn't that crazy? Because like you say, boy, I didn't do that. And I'm really, I'm going to raise my kids where they're going to do that. And then, you know, that, but sometimes when mom and dad are telling you no, there's a reason. There really is. And you know why? It's that same generational thing because they kind of went down that road too. Just try sometimes to listen to their counsel. That to a parent, for a child to just listen and say, okay, dad, okay, mom, is an amazing way of honoring your parents. Fourth way to honor them. It just covers it all. It's real broad, but, but I'm not kidding you. Now, young people look at me, and, and older people, if your parents are still alive, this is huge. You honor your parents, now listen, by living a godly life, by loving the Lord. It blessed me. Rachel, I didn't know you were going to be here today. Blessed me when I could look over here and see one of my kids in church. And they go to church. They just go to different church. I mean, she's an adult, but it blesses me to see my daughter still loves the Lord. Blesses me to know my son's preaching and serving God today down at Lake Wiley Baptist. Blesses me. And the blessing of a parent being able to look and see their children walking with God. Amen? Because it doesn't matter what else they accomplish, does it, Mom, Dad, if, if they're, they don't love the Lord. So live a godly life. You'll understand this when you're a parent. Fifth way, honor your father and your mother by showing them love. Taking time to show love. Don't just say it. There's nothing greater on earth. There's no more godlike love than a love of a mom for her children, of a father for their children, if it's right. If it's right. It's a godlike kind of love. And most parents literally would fling their lives before death to save one of their children. I would. 
anything or anybody threaten my child's life, I'd stand between them and death. Our parents love us so much, and we ought to love them, and we ought to show them love. So some practical ways, write them a letter. Now, you know, it sounds so corny. Yeah, I know, but I guarantee you they'll never throw it away. Tell them how much you appreciate what they've done. If your mom and dad are still alive, visit them. Visit them. Give them a gift. Help them. Do a deed for them. Take the lawnmower out of their hands. Show affection while you can. If your parents are still alive, take advantage of it. The day will come when they won't be here and you'll wish you'd shown more. Am I right? Now, am I right? It's absolutely right. I preached a lot of funerals. And here's what always happened. Kids always try to make up for their absence in life with expensive coffins, nice flowers, three preachers, two quartets. But listen, dead roses, uh, dead noses smell no roses. And both my father and mother are gone. They're gone. They're gone. What you're going to do, you need to do it now. And I close with this as a parent. Now let me talk to the parents. I must never abuse my children. I've never been guilty. Never. Uh, I want to be clear. I've never been guilty of physical abuse. But I sure have abused my kids emotionally or verbally. I've abused them by not being there at times. And there is never a reason for that for a godly parent. Verse 4, where fathers are told not to provoke their children to wrath. You know what that means? It, it just means don't exasperate your children. Now, good parents don't let their kids run things, but they also know that they can't provoke or exasperate children and expect things to turn out right. You as a parent are the rule and authority in your life, but you must use that authority responsibly. Yesterday, yesterday, I heard a man use a tone of voice and a threatening anger with his child. Do you realize sometimes that when you I keep picking on Tony here, but when a little child is looking at you, it's like this. And that man screamed at him and said, You answer me, you I'm tired of this and blah blah blah. And he probably was tired of the mess. But in public and out loud. And so much bigger and so much stronger than a child and And, and you know what? Just destroying and crushing that child's spirit. Children are ultimately responsible for their own behavior once they grow up. But poor parenting creates an environment that provokes and, and makes, leads, tempts children towards anger or despair. Makes it more difficult for them to control their anger if they don't see us controlling ours. I got to work on that. It's a weak spot in me. 
I'm meaner to my people at home than I'd ever. I'll speak to people in my home like I'd never speak to any of you. That's not right. That's not right. That's not godly when we do that. Some of the chief ways that we provoke our children to anger or to despair is, first of all, by not having marital harmony, by demonstrating sinful anger, by disciplining our children in anger, by disciplining sometimes inconsistently. Sometimes we let them do stuff and get by with it, and then we get so fed up with it that we bring the kid in and spank them, and they're going, wait, why? I mean, you know, or disciplining different than the other parent. Another way, by having double standards. That's exasperating to a child. You know, you can't parent by saying, do as I say, not as I do. Another way we exasperate our children to anger and provoke them to anger, by not admitting when we're wrong. Constantly finding fault. Being overly critical. By not listening to your child's opinions, his or her side of the story. The name calling that we do with our children sometimes is so destructive. By comparing your child to others. Not praising their child for good behavior and accomplishments. By failing to keep your promises. Scolding them in front of others. Being too strict. Physically abusing a child. Showing favoritism to one child over another. That's extremely hurtful. Not taking time to listen to your child's heart. I'm guilty of this one so bad. Shallow listening. Kids sitting there pouring their heart out, talking to you about something that's important. Don't even have to be an emotional thing. Just something that's important to them. Here's, yeah, 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 working. Yeah. Uh-huh. So we need constantly, don't we, help parenting. We need help constantly, don't we, young people, being respectful to our parents and doing all this because it's hard, it's a lot. But I tell you, it's good and it's the basis for a healthy home. Let's pray. And as we bow our heads, maybe you need to respond in some way, maybe one or more of the following ways. I tried to think of some ways that we could apply this so that our lives could be changed. I don't ever want you just to come and learn your Bibles and not be changed. I want you to learn your Bibles and be changed, and I want to be changed. So maybe, maybe you need to get together with your wife or your husband, your mom and your dad, and seek and just be honest about where you failed and say, I need some help, I need some advice. Maybe you need to seek counsel from your pastor, from a counselor, someone in your Sunday school class. Look around you and find somebody who's done a good job raising their kids, or at least it looks like it, and say, could I ever talk to you? I have some challenges. Or do you need to apologize to your parent, to a child, ask them to forgive you? Maybe you could do some very specific praying, specific praying. 
especially where you tend to, to just repeat the same things over. Have you prayed specifically about it? Study some scripture about that or memorize or meditate on key verses that address the area of sin that you're dealing with. Bottom line, you need to change. And God wants to help you. God wants to help you. So right now what I'm going to ask is that just like the Ten Commandments, we take, we get ourselves right first with the Lord and then those around us. So I'm going to ask right now, and we all need to respond to this in some way. If your family's here, you should be so thankful. I'm going to walk down, I'm going to get my wife and daughter, and I'm going to pray with them, thank God for them. And say, thank you, God, for the precious gift they are. Lord, make me a better father. You could do that. You could say, Lord, make me a better son. Thank you for my mom. Thank you for my daughter. Thank you for my son. Thank you for my father. Lord, I pray that you will move in this place right now, that we would never, ever, ever be the same. In Jesus' name, amen.